Good day, everyone. This is Dr. Paul Kilgore for Quantitative Health, and I'm so glad to be back here with you today. And actually, today, what I want to do is tackle a very important topic, also very interesting from many perspectives, and that is high blood pressure. You may not have thought about this a lot, but what's interesting to know about blood pressure and our blood pressure measurement is that it turns out that a large number of Americans and other folks around the world are actually walking around with high blood pressure. And so today, what I want to do is tackle this topic a little bit from the perspective of measurement and things that we can do to reduce our blood pressure. Okay, so one thing to know is that around 46% of Americans, that's about 103 million of us, um, and that's in the adult age range, are considered to have high blood pressure, okay? Now, uh, because the guidelines have changed and the cutoff for defining high blood pressure has changed, that actually explains one reason why there's been an increase. But um, over time, it also appears that there has been another uh, increase in the number of people with high blood pressure, perhaps due to a number of reasons that we'll talk about. Okay, so it's very interesting. And so one of the things that I can tell you is if you go to the American Heart Association or www.heart.org, O-R-G, you can actually find the current guidelines that define normal blood pressure, elevated blood pressure, and high blood pressure. And we're going to talk about these right now. So if we look at what defines normal blood pressure, we're really talking about two different numbers. Okay, so when you get a blood pressure measurement at your doctor's office, there are two numbers to know. One is the upper number, the top number. We call that systolic blood pressure, systolic blood pressure. The lower number we call diastolic uh, blood pressure, diastolic blood pressure. So the upper number is systolic blood pressure, lower number is diastolic blood pressure. Now, one of the things to know in the current guidelines is that when we define systolic blood pressure and what what is normal for the upper number, we're really talking about a number that is less than 120, 120. So 120 is the key cutoff for the upper number. If you're above that, then we talk about other definitions like elevated blood pressure, high blood pressure. In just a second, we'll talk, touch on that. Now, with the lower number, the diastolic blood pressure, we're really looking for a number that is less than 80. Now, in people that are very sick, they're going to have low blood pressure for other reasons that we can talk about in future episodes. But for now, if we're talking about a normal, healthy person walking around, um, coming into the doctor's office, and they sit down, they have their blood pressure measured with a traditional blood pressure cuff. If they have normal blood pressure, their blood pressure will be 120 over 80 or less than that. Now, once we talk about changes in blood pressure, we're talking about the next level, which is called elevated blood pressure. Okay, this is not outright high blood pressure, it's just elevated. So it's kind of in that middle zone, that gray zone. That gray zone has a range, and that range for the systolic or upper number is 120 to 129. And the units on this number, just for your information, are millimeters of mercury. So in the doctor's office, they will measure the upper number, the lower number, and it's defined in units of millimeters of mercury. Uh, abbreviated HG. That's the elemental symbol for mercury. Okay. Now, for the lower number of elevated blood pressure, we're talking about something that is still less than 80. So, what really defines 
elevation in blood pressure is us focusing on that systolic blood pressure number, the upper number. Okay? So in elevated state of blood pressure, you can have a diastolic or lower number that is less than 80, but you're still considered to have elevated blood pressure because that upper number is in that range of 120 to 129. Okay, now let's talk about the next level. And the next level is called high blood pressure, hypertension or stage one. So the medical term for high blood pressure, as you may know, is hypertension. It's all one word, hypertension. Stage one is defined as a upper number or the systolic blood pressure of 130 to 139. So 130 to 139 millimeters of mercury is considered stage one high blood pressure or hypertension. Okay. Keep in mind, you recall the normal range we're looking for is less than 120. So these folks are 10 to perhaps 20 millimeters of mercury above normal. Okay, so that's measurable. And usually we will define that higher number or higher state of blood pressure, like stage one, uh, with multiple measurements to confirm that it's truly elevated. And that, uh, that's because some people can come into a doctor's office or another clinic where they get the blood pressure measured and on any given day they could have elevated blood pressure that doesn't repeat on further measurement. Okay, now, Let's talk about high blood pressure, stage one, and the lower number, diastolic blood pressure, okay? In that range, or in that stage one, we're talking about a diastolic lower number in the range of 80 to 89 millimeters of mercury, okay? So this is within 10 millimeters of mercury elevated compared with normal, okay? So you remember the lower number normal range is less than 80, okay? Now, in stage one elevated blood pressure, we're really talking about a range of 80 to 89. Okay, so now let's take it to the next level. So there are some people who are walking around uh, right now with high blood pressure, hypertension stage two. Okay, now these folks have the upper number, which is measured at 140 or higher. That is 140 millimeters of mercury or higher. That's the systolic or upper number, systolic blood pressure. Okay. Now, when we talk about the lower number, the diastolic blood pressure in individuals that are at stage two high blood pressure, we're really talking about folks that have the lower number at 90 or above. 90 or higher is de defining stage two high blood pressure. Now, one thing that's important to know is that you can have either high systolic or high diastolic that is a high upper number or a high lower number, or you're going to have both of them elevated at the same time. Either way, those folks are defined as having stage two blood pressure elevation, hypertension. Okay. Now, when we take it to the next level, we're talking about folks, they can still be walking around, but they may actually have symptoms that we'll talk about, like headache. And they are in what we call hypertensive crisis hypertensive crisis is very important to know about because these folks have high blood pressure that is extremely elevated. So typically, when we define hypertensive crisis, we're talking about the upper number, the systolic blood pressure of 180 or higher. Okay. Now, when we talk about the lower number in hypertensive crisis folks, we're really talking about a lower number that is higher than 120. 
That's higher than 120 millimeters of mercury. Okay, so remember, hypertensive crisis, 180 or higher for the uh, upper number, and the lower number is higher than 120. Okay, now, one thing that's important to note is that no matter what, when you go into the doctor, one of the things that you want to do is the typically the nurse or the medical assistant will measure your blood pressure right after you walk in the door or shortly after you get in the clinic room. Now, when that happens, it's important to make sure that you um, not only write down the number, but actually come into the clinic, if you can, with paper and pen, and make sure that you write down that number so you can remember it when you go home. Why is that important? Well, it's important because um, if it is in one of these elevated ranges, for example, elevated uh, level of 120 to 129 for the systolic, then you want to make sure that you remember that because when you come back, you want to compare the second or third measurements or subsequent measurements with that initial or first measurement that you had. Now, if you come back multiple times in the clinic and your blood pressure is measured as being elevated, stage one, stage two, or even, God forbid, the hypertensive crisis range, then what you want to do is make sure you have those numbers to compare over time because hopefully your doctor will be talking to you about both drug treatment and non-pharmacologic or non-drug treatments for reducing your blood pressure, okay? So it's really important to keep in mind that there are multiple ways to reduce blood pressure. The traditional way is using drug therapy, but of course, one of the things you also know is that when we can change our diet and when we can change some of our behavioral risk factors, we can actually lower blood pressure even without some drug therapy. Okay, so clearly it would be very, uh, very much preferable to reduce your blood pressure with non-pharmacologic or non-drug treatments. Okay, so those activities or those behavioral changes include things like changing your diet. That's number one. Number two is reducing or actually eliminating alcohol consumption. Okay, number three is quitting or greatly reducing cigarette smoking. Okay, ideally quitting cigarette smoking is the way to go, okay? Uh, the, the fourth intervention, which is non-drug related, is exercise. And so we can talk about different exercise guidelines with respect to non-pharmacologic treatments, but certainly one of the things that we know is that lifestyle modifications, i.e. reducing alcohol or quitting alcohol, quitting cigarette smoking, exercise, and other stress reduction techniques can actually lower blood pressure all by themselves. So wouldn't that be great if we could actually get our blood pressure down into that normal range, uh, 120 over 80 or lower, and do it through non-pharmacologic means. So it is possible for some people and many people to have an impact on their blood pressure by non-pharmacologic means. So when you talk with a doctor, always you want to be able to come up with a plan with your doctor that enables you to understand all the ways that you can apply to reduce your blood pressure, okay? So certainly taking action to change lifestyle and behavioral uh, aspects of your life are going to be helpful in lowering blood pressure, okay? Now, one thing to keep in mind, of course, is that when we talk about diet, there is something that you should know, um, and you hopefully have heard about this if anyone has mentioned hypertension or high blood pressure to you in the past, 
and that is the concept of the DASH diet. It stands for Dietary Approaches to Stop Hypertension. DASH, it's an acronym, D-A-S-H. And so really what this defines for us is a change in approach to eating, really a change to switch to more healthy eating, which reduces our exposure to things that may elevate our blood pressure, okay, just by eating, just by changing what we eat, okay? And so in future episodes, we can quantify exactly all the aspects of the DASH diet. But in brief, um, one of the key things about the DASH diet is that it is designed to lower your sodium intake. So one of the, one of the things that we know is that sodium, that's the element abbreviation NA, actually is instrumental in raising blood pressure. So one of the mechanisms we can use to reduce blood pressure is to reduce our intake of sodium, okay? Um, And usually sodium comes in the form of sodium chloride. So that salt that we talk about and that we put onto our food sometimes, that table salt, that's sodium chloride. Now, when we talk about the DASH diet, there's both a standard DASH diet and a low-sodium DASH diet. In the standard DASH diet, um, it's talking about a consumption of up to 2,300 milligrams of sodium a day. Okay, 2,300 milligrams. Now, in the lower-sodium DASH diet, we're talking about consuming up to or less than 1,500 milligrams, 1,500 milligrams of sodium a day, okay? So those are the guidelines of the DASH diet for sodium. Now, the DASH diet also addresses consumption of grains, vegetables, fruits, dairy products, even lean meat, poultry, and fish, and nuts, seeds, and legumes. And it actually defines a number of servings that are appropriate um, for each one of these categories. It even defines consumption of fats and oils and sweets, okay? So the DASH diet can be an important element of your entire armamentarium to fight hypertension or high blood pressure, okay? Now, one of the things that many people may not realize is that when we consume alcohol, it could be in the form of hard liquor or beer or wine, that actually can directly increase blood pressure. Yes. And the more, of course, that we consume, the higher the risk of elevating our blood pressure. So one of the things I mentioned at the outset was if we want to reduce our blood pressure, reducing alcohol consumption is a really great way to do that. Okay. Now, one of the things that the DASH diet doesn't really talk about is consumption of caffeine. And of course, we can take in caffeine many ways. It could be through soda pop or uh, uh, carbonated drinks, It could be through coffee or tea. It could be through an energy drink, or even it can be in a tablet or capsule form. Either way, when we consume caffeine, it tends to constrict blood vessels, and that in turn leads to increases in blood pressure. Now, whether or not caffeine is a risk factor for hypertension or is something that we should worry about, um, it's not really clear from all the data. So right now, the DASH diet doesn't address limits or servings of of caffeine um, in that dietary guideline for the DASH diet. So we'll come back to the impact of these factors on your hypertension or on blood pressure in general in future episodes, okay? So one of the things I think that's important to recognize with high blood pressure is that it can actually be elevated in other disease states, okay? So for example, individuals that have end-stage renal disease may be at risk for hypertension, okay? 
And so those folks are often given guidelines for sodium consumption that mirror what you've heard in the DASH diet, okay? So one of the things we have to realize is that when we talk about high blood pressure, uh, stage one, stage two, or even hypertensive crisis, there are certain folks in our population who we know are at risk for higher blood pressure. And so when we look at the heart.org website and we look at all the medical guidelines that are recently released for management of high blood pressure, there actually are certain guidelines that are very interesting. And one thing to know is that um, regular assessment, regular measurement of your blood pressure is going to be very important. For those, fo- for those folks who have normal blood pressure or elevated blood pressure, those are the first two stages I talked about earlier. That is normal blood pressure of 120 over 80 or less. Or the elevated blood pressure folks, that's the systolic 120 to 129 over less than 80. Okay. Those folks are um, encouraged to look at lifestyle habits and non-pharmacologic means for reducing their blood pressure, okay? Non-pharmacologic, meaning losing weight, changing diet, the DASH diet, reducing sodium intake, looking at even uh, potassium supplementation in some cases, also increasing physical activity. You remember I mentioned the benefits of physical activity, and so structuring a program in your life so that you can actually set aside time specifically to get to a gym or get outside walking around or engaging in some other physical activity around the house are very, very important. Setting aside that time is key and making sure it's separate um, and really distinct so that you, you are engaging in it regularly. That is almost every day. Okay. Now, of course, quitting smoking is key to reducing your blood pressure, extremely important. If you quit smoking and you didn't do anything else, I guarantee your blood pressure would go down. Now, also, if you are consuming alcohol, uh, moderation in consumption of alcohol is key. And of course, there's going to be a combination effect. In other words, if you're smoking and drinking, that's going to be kind of synergistic, or I would call it double trouble in terms of your health. So, Try to eliminate those if you can, or greatly reduce them if at all possible. Okay. Now, for those with normal blood pressure, the doctor will typically want to reassess you every year. uh, Coming back to the clinic, having it measured um, in the same technique at the clinic every year is going to be important to kind of make sure that you're not getting into that elevated or stage one, stage two range. Okay. Now, if you're talking about elevated blood pressure, and that's the 120, 129 over less than 80, we're talking about looking at that in the clinic every three to six months just to double check to make sure it's not going higher and higher and higher, okay? Because if it does go higher and higher into stage one or stage two, that's where the doctor will begin to talk to you about the elevated risk of cardiovascular disease, okay? Um, Also, they're going to talk to you about both non-pharmacologic, okay, non-drug treatments and drug treatments that may be important for you to consider in controlling your blood pressure, okay? One of the number one reasons to control blood pressure uh, for the long term is that it will reduce your chances of having a stroke. And we can tell you right now that a stroke can be devastating. It can come on suddenly. It's unpredictable. But one of the risk factors clearly for stroke is elevated blood pressure or hypertension. 
So if for no other reason than to get your blood pressure checked and make sure that you get it under control, if it is elevated, um, go to the doctor and make sure you get that checkup to see what that blood pressure is, okay? In the future, we're going to talk soon about what we do for those non-pharmacologic interventions, things like supplements. And we'll talk about garlic. We'll talk about the role of multivitamins in complementing your changes in diet, lifestyle, behavior, modification, all those good things that are going to help you stay healthy by keeping those blood pressure numbers that we love to measure under control and in the good range. Okay, so thanks very much, and we'll see you again very soon.